0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent
1: community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30, Sunday morning and time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam
1: Vardy. First up, we have to welcome back Millie Ross. Good morning, Millie. Good morning, Pam. Morning, everybody. It's going to be a cracker day out there. It's it so is. so gorgeous. Sun, Sun's out, I reckon. You could almost put the shorts on for a few hours if you are going to get physical. Look, <laughs> <laughs> don't. Like, look, I, I've got my, you know, I'm, I might put shorts on. All right, I'll put shorts on today. <laughs> Desperate to put shorts on.
2: I tell you what not only you but everything else in the garden's going to take off.
1: Oh, absolutely and it feel it does feel like it's really um you know, I feel like this week is the week that things have changed. It's, I maybe it's the sense of jasmine in the air or, yeah. or whatever it is, but it certainly feels like, um, you know, I know Tim and uh you know, with his book Sprinter and Sprummer, talked about that merging of the seasons and I think certainly in Melbourne this last week might have been that turning point for mm. us. The days are getting a bit longer. Which, is, of are. course, is what the plants listen to. And, um, yes, yeah, certainly that, it's a lovely day today. I would say put us in your – put us in your – on the tranny and – Hanging off the wheelbarrow, which is what I used to do when I worked as a gardener. (laughs) Or I had a shower radio. That worked pretty well as well. That had a little hook. that could be out in the rain and and take us out with you because it's a beautiful morning to garden.
3: Absolutely gorgeous. Good morning, Penny Woodward. Morning, Pam, and morning listeners. I agree, absolutely, but you won't find me in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've Is watched it. Is You there's
1: shorts. that great, um, the great myth that you can't plant your tomato seeds until you can put your bare buttocks on the soil and leave oh, them yes. there for a oh, period okay. of time. So perhaps a hoop skirt would be far more appropriate for uh, <laughs> the sowing season.
2: <laughs> I must admit it's not a test I've ever tried myself. No,
1: no, I do don't. swear at my basil whenever I plant it because that's another um myth that uh, absolutely uh, yeah
3: swear at your basil
1: swear at it black and blue (laughs) tell it what's good for
3: and um i'm going to i think getting out in the garden the thing that i've been doing but one of the things you need to watch out for is that some soil is still very wet i know that there are some very dry areas of the state Mm. but in the really wet places you shouldn't be digging your soil before um before it just dries out a little bit it's you know but I tend not to dig my soil much anyway. I'm, I'm laying manure and putting mulch um, out, and, and do you use a fork or
1: something soil? to just open it up I a little do. bit? Or I do. Yep.
3: yeah, yeah.
1: I did we were talking about this the other day. Um, that you know, even though we're probably uh, all are coming to that realization that low till or no till yes. is better. It's really hard not to dig the ground. Mm. Like <laughs> you know, I, I know sometimes when I'm I'm particularly stressed or I know I'm gonna have a big gardening day that the, the day after I'll lie in bed and I can I almost imagine the you know the the feeling of the, the, the shovel going into the into the soil and you know these, these physical acts it's very, very difficult not to dig.
2: Well it's old habits that die hard really, isn't and it? And it feels good and you and you yep. turn it
1: over and you rake it all flat and you know you make it look like you want it to look but But um, certainly, you know, some of the the research I did into – for stories we filmed at Gardening Australia about um, mycorrhizal research that was happening in in Tassie that – um, you know, absolutely. Uh, the, the the scientists are saying no till is is the way to go because every time you turn it over, you're sort of breaking up all the mycorrhizae and and mm. you know like mm. um and and actually you know removing that structure, which is actually the structure of the soil, is all the mm. all the activity yeah, that's in it, absolutely essential. Yeah, 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 so
3: yeah, all those fungal
1: strands, all those little bits of yeah, doing yeah. all the favours, helping the plants get you know water and nutrients. So it's, yeah, it, it is a it's a tricky thing, but I I still do like to dig over the odd garden bed i 've got to admit sometimes i go oh i 'm just going to dig it
3: yeah i dig I dig if i 'm planting carrots and parsnips because they need that Smooth depth of soil to get down into. But that's a good I, excuse. But not much else.
1: <laughs> I'm planting carrots. <laughs> okay, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just have to dig this one. Moving compost is a good substitute. If you yeah, if or, you can't dig, you move the compost and then you feel like weeding you have a bit of dig. good. I like weeding. I do like weeding too, but that, that's another, th- you know, particularly in these winter months, um, you know, the whole concept of a fallow bed, mm. you know, I think is, is you know, I, I think I've demonstrated it to myself so many times when I weed half a garden bed and for don't get the other half done and then I come back five weeks later and the soil in the unweeded end of the garden bed is so much more vibrant and alive than that which has nothing in it. So, you know, you can knock that off your list really too, I think, can't you?
3: Yeah, or but most... I mean, you've got a weed to be able to plant.
1: That's true, you do. Or you <laughs> so can just you can... <laughs> <laughs> slash well, you and can burn. cut them
3: off, yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, I, I weed because my weeds are essential to my compost. I mm. mean, I have at the moment all these forget-me-nots coming up. Fabulous. Millions of them everywhere, but they make such brilliant compost. So I've got one huge – one of my beds is currently a compost pile as Ah. well as having a separate compost. I always – each year I use one of my beds for all my excess compost and I'm just about to get in and do all the pruning that I should have done a couple of months ago and I'll be shredding all of that and putting that into the the compost as well. Fabulous. And it'll happen really quickly at this time of the year because you've got the warmth coming and it's heating up. You can create compost in a few months whereas – if you start at the middle of winter, it's much – at the end, beginning of winter, it's much slower. Mm, mm. So, yeah, it's a good time of year to be doing all sorts of things. Mm, it is.
1: It is going to be very exciting. It is exciting, isn't it? Spring mm. timber. Mm. We just, I know, never know what to call it. Sprinter sprummer. Spring yeah. timber, we're calling it, yeah. the, um, <laughs> when, it when I it always turns.
3: know what time of year it is when the wild ducks start landing on our pond. We've only got this little backyard, but I've got a pond, in quite a big pond in it, and they come in and they land on my pond. They sit there and they eat the weed and they eat the duckweed and have a bit of a wander, but then they get out of our, my pond and they walk across the neighbour's backyard into the next neighbour's backyard because she feeds her chooks there and she, they go and feed on all of that. And then as they start um, decide to start nesting, there's a particular tree in, their, in my neighbour's garden where they go up the tree and they nest there. And then when the ducklings hatch, the ducks jump out and the ducklings... Follow them. They jump, you know, from plonk, quite plonk, high plonk. up in the tree, and then it's they amazing. all come back into my pond just for the day, <laughs> and then they disappear, and I never see them again because oh. our pond's not big enough to be safe for the mother and the mm, ducklings because mm. there are foxes around. So they then head off somewhere else to find a bigger pond. I, I never know where they go, but they go. So mm. there's this there's this cycle that we have each nice. year, which was very threatened by um, our immediate neighbour who was thinking about putting a fence up because the ducks wouldn't have been able to get through. Right, you could have um, a little duck run so though. So far, it hasn't happened, so I'm hoping it's not going to duck tunnels. Or I yes, mean, and, and this tunnels. is something
1: that happens. Um, I know uh, we were looking at a, a story which um, it, it actually ended up uh, being a story on. Um, the radio program on RN, um, which is slipping my mind right now, it'll come to me in a second, off track, where uh, they're encouraging people to build their fences um, with a little rise at the base so that um, the bandicoots and other sort of Mm. little mammals can still get underneath the fence and that they actually come and um, spend time on people's lawns often at night. That's where they'll actually like to forage mm. and there's lots of insects mm. on lawns and um, they do quite well. But yeah, just around this particular perimeter area of, uh, of, a bit of a bit of bushland where they were trying to do some work to restore habitat, um, they were saying build your fence but please leave you know a 100 mil gap underneath the, the base of the fence um, so that you can still have passage. That's not good with the rabbits.
3: No. Well, no, rabbits is a different thing. This, is, this was a, this was a, a very specific area. Look, I, we looked at that. Again, um, this was the neighbour at the back was wanting to put fences up and I wanted a gap underneath mm. to allow animals free passage. They just refused. They said we, want, we don't want dogs coming in and stuff like that. Mm. But what we did get was gaps between the palings. so They weren't vertical palings, so horizontal palings. Ah. We got gaps and that made it possible for the koalas to climb it. Right. because we have a lot of or well, we used to have a lot of koalas in summers but with the increase in um population the koala population is dropping but at least that means a koala can climb over it because they have trouble getting over a solid uh, a paling fence even mm. though they can climb trees they can climb trees by gripping them if it's a flat fence yes. they do, they can't ah. they sort of fall down so by putting gaps in between you can actually mm. create claw and poor spots for co to I over. guess
1: it is. It's all part of that, you know, it depends what, what you're dealing with in your area. Exactly. And what your fence yeah, needs exactly. to do. But I think it's you know, it is worth thinking about these little oh, little things. You know, I you agree. just And I, I mean I think paling fences are just Pretty ridiculously priced for something that falls down in in eight years, you know. From and they're also p- mostly toxic because they're made out of treated um, pine. Oh, pine. So uh, you know, you just sort of see people put them up and mm. pull them down, and put them up and pull them down, and um, mm. yeah, thinking about different options is is that for those boundaries. Mm. And then sometimes you don't. I mean, I, I remember years ago I I worked on a, a garden in um, Altona, down sort of a block back from the beach, and um, it was a three story house on a huge corner block, and one of the main issues that they had was that people just cut right across this front yard because there was no fence and they priced, you know, getting a brick fence put around the whole thing that would have cost them $30,000, oh, yes. you know, and it just, it wouldn't have been good for the house, it wouldn't have been good for the space and and so what we actually did was I, I designed just some very simple panels um, which were three different heights and sort of lengths and, and um, different types of timber and sort of offset them at different um sort of different distances from the path on one side and intermingled that with planting and things like Berbera sunbergii, that's a pretty obvious please don't walk here plant. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> like you know, prickly things. And then, you know, on the other side, I just used some vertical timbers put in the ground at random heights that looked like they were an intended sculpture. Mm. But right at the point that I knew, like, and I'd watched people and I'd done it myself, that was the natural point that you would choose to, to step in and, and cut across. Mm. And, you know, it was such a, a simple way of embedding. And, it, you know, meant we had also, this huge great planting space without putting a bloody great fence up against it. Mm. Yep. Um, and, it, you know, it was quite a successful way of just changing that behaviour a little bit. Mm. And, you know, they didn't need it to be secure because it was the front yard, um, so it could still be open open to people and, um, yeah, it worked really, really well. Good. Excellent.
2: Mm. Yep. Yes, people should think about fencing a lot more. Mm. Um, because there's so Have many, a bit of fun. A lot, Yeah, but there's yeah. a lot, lot of options. I mean, even if you think about um, – um, the use of stones with all your reptiles, mm, you know, mm. to give them habitat, and there's, mm. there's lots of options. And tea tree fences as well gives you
3: lots of options. Yeah, so, yeah or absolutely. Even, even just sort of low wire fences, and then planting along them, mm. or, or screens. I mean, you don't actually need a complete solid fence, mm. no, mm. to protect you from your neighbours. I mean, mostly you can sort of talk to your neighbours and get on with them
1: quite well. Absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with someone nicking one of your raspberries through the fence. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice thing to be able to offer. You yeah. know that. Um, That's right. My neighbours' raspberries have actually
3: grown under the fence. Great. And they have raspberries.
2: <laughs> well, I, I actually live in a little dead end road. There's only seven houses and none of us have got fences. Mm. The whole thing is no fence. And when when the children from each of the houses were younger... They would wander from one house to the next, you know. I grew up free range in in
1: that way yes, too. Yes, and it's, great. It's the nice story. A good did, sense of the, community. The story goes, and we were on three quarters of an acre in East Fremantle, so really big block in suburbia and there was, you know, four of them that were sort of similar mm. size side by side. And and the story goes that my dad and my my neighbour, Mr Cherry, who I've got to say recognised me as a 17-year-old having not seen me since I was 10 wow. the second I knocked on his door. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they were having a chat and looking at this huge fence that needed rebuilding and went oh, I don't want to pay for it do you no so they went and got their tools and pulled it down and then the other neighbours saw them and went what are you doing oh we're pulling it down we don't need it and so they did the same thing so Brilliant. we had these these there was three or four houses where the kids could just be free range yep. you know mm-hmm. and every garden was different and every house was different yes and um yeah it was I mean it was an incredible incredible place to to be a little one yeah for sure. no it works really well mm-hmm. I
2: Totally recommend it. Mm. Yeah,
1: actually, I know that the um, the lovely family, the Gordons, who Organic Gardener magazine have been helping transform their backyard. Oh yes, um, they've put a. They've, Alex just sent me pictures the other day, and she's put uh, a gate between her house and the neighbour's property because mm. the neighbours have a pool right. and they're best of buddies, yep. and so they've actually opened up a proper proper gate and you know a lockable gate because it's a pool, so that they can actually share that space, which yep. is you know it's a lovely thing. Of course, it is. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, excellent. Yep. I need to get to some community announcements. Uh, there are some things happening today. So if you haven't made any plans for the day, um, here's a few ideas. Firstly, uh, the Waverley Garden Club and Camellia's Victoria have got their show on today. Uh, it's running from 10 o'clock this morning through to 4.30 this afternoon. It's at the Mount Waverley Community Centre and um, $5 for adults, children are free. Now, it features the Victorian Camellia Championships and also the Waverley Floral Art Championships. Uh, so if you'd like more information on that one, you can phone Linda. Her number is 0412 914 Now, also on this afternoon, starting at 2 o'clock, uh, there's going to be a great... Uh, talk being given, uh, hosted by the Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne. And uh, the guest speaker is going to be David Carrolly. He's presenting a talk uh, on where to for climate change. Now, David Carrolly is Chair of Atmospheric Sciences, School of Earth Sciences, University of Melbourne, He's regarded as one of the most highly competent Australian scientists involved in the study of climate change. He's an excellent excellent communicator, so that would be uh, a really good talk to go to. Now, the talk is being held in the Australian Garden Auditorium down at Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne. Cost is $20. Um, if you'd like more information this morning, you can phone eight double seven four two four. Eight
1: three, such a great place to visit this time of the year. Oh, like isn't it really The garden is just absolutely exploding down there. Yeah, so we haven't been on down Thursday, and oh. it's
3: just really, really special. And one of the things that a lot of people don't realise is that you can actually take your bike down and ride right around the outskirts of it. It's about it's a six to eight kilometre ride. So through the through the through the, the, the through we're starting, yeah. Yeah. starting, fantastic. The yeah, can yep. you head off right around and come back, and then it's you can a have a cup of to coffee do. in the restaurant. Mm. Yes, we excellent. love it. We love it. We should be so proud of it. <laughs> yes. All of our wonderful
1: plants. Oh, absolutely. Mm.
2: Okay, uh, friends of Burnley Gardens have got their AGM coming up next Wednesday, but uh, their patron, uh, Dr. Greg Moore, will present a talk: "Dormant Buds, Trees, and Gardeners' Best Friends." Now, as I said, this is happening next Wednesday, the nineteenth of August. It's being held in Quad 6 Classroom down at Burnley Campus, 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. uh, 7 o'clock for refreshments. The talk commences at 7.30. Uh, Now, also coming up starting next weekend, uh, if people haven't been observant and noticed what's happening in their gardens or nearby, it is daffodil time. And uh, this is when uh, Hancocks open up their, um, their farm, Uh, for people to go and have a wander through and have a look at the huge displays of daffodils they have growing there, which means you can then look at the flowers and choose which bulbs you want to plant uh, next autumn. So great idea. Now it's opening starting next, uh, let me see, next um, Friday, not next Friday, Friday the 28th of August, yes, and running through until the 28th of September. So it'll be open for a whole month. Uh, as I say, starting Friday 28th of August. Now, it'll open 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on weekdays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on weekends. Um, If you're wanting to organise a bus tour, you do need to phone them. And the farm address is on the corner of Belgrave, Gembrook Road and Grand Tula Road, Menzies Creek. Uh, The Melways map reference there is 124 E11 and that's free admission for that to have a wander through the daffodil farm there. Now, also coming up uh, on Saturday the 29th of August, the Friends of Burnley Gardens have organised another heritage tree tour. I think this is the third one that they will have organised. Um, Again, it's being led by former National Trust Project Officer John Fordham and uh, it's an opportunity to visit a number of wonderful trees located in south-east Melbourne and west Gippsland. Many of the trees uh, to be visited are on the National Trust's Significant Tree Register, and uh, it will um, uh, also include the biggest chestnut tree in Victoria and an unusual planting of the Bhutan cypress, so most interesting. Um, you board the bus at Burnley, and then they'll proceed to Berwick, um, and then on from there to Druin, uh, to, uh, back to nearham uh, north, and finally journey through the Latrobe State Forest, um, which is where the biggest chestnut tree is. And uh, then on the way home, they'll see some other significant trees and then return to Burnley. So bookings close on the 20th of August, so you haven't got long to get in and book for this one. Uh, now, the cost is $80 if you're a member of of the Friends of Burnley Gardens, $105 if you're a non-member. Now, the bus will leave from Burnley at 6am, sorry, at 8am, and will return by 6pm. So it'll leave at 8am, return by 6pm approximately. Now, if you'd like any inquiries about that, you can phone John himself on 0407-330-303, or you could phone Andrew Smith on nine zero three five six eight six one. Now you do have to BYO mug, water, walking shoes, and a picnic lunch. And as I say, bookings close on the twentieth of August, and payment needs to be made also by the twentieth of August. So if uh, you can pay either by EFT or by cheque. Um, if it's by cheque, you make the cheque out to Friends of Burnley Gardens and. Uh, Address for mailing that is 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Uh, Now, also coming up at the end of this uh, month, 28th, 29th and 30th of August, we have a major orchid show and sale coming up, which is taking place down at the KCC Park in Skye there in Victoria. The actual venue is the Box Hall Pavilion at KCC Park. Uh, which is 655 Western Port Highway, there in Sky. Uh, the Millways' reference is 128 J12. Opening times on the Friday, 9 till 5, on the Saturday, 9 till 5, and on the Sunday, 9 till 4. Entry uh, costs adults $10, concession of $8, children under 15 are free. And in conjunction with that uh, massive display of orchids, There'll be a chance to buy a wide range, uh, a wide variety of orchids from seedlings to plants in flower. There'll be bulbs, bromeliads. There'll be a photographic competition, an art show, books, pots, accessories, free parking, poking, potting demonstrations and experts on hand to answer your questions. So plenty going on down there again on the last weekend in August. Okay, I might come back to some more a bit later, but uh, that's all I have for August. Uh, it's high time we opened up our lines for talkback. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, this morning, goodness me, I can't get my tongue working this that's morning. That's a lot of announcements. It's, it's a lot. getting to spring. <laughs> it is. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we have Millie Ross and Penny Woodward in the studio this morning. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to give us a call, nine four one nine zero one double five. That's nine. Four one nine
1: zero one double five. 155 Millie, let's make a start with what you've brought in. Well, actually, I'm I'm handling what Penny's brought in. <laughs> Thinking, yep, there's three or four good cuttings on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we were talking, you've, you've brought in a whole lot of things that have basically filled your, your cooler months with flowers, Penny. Yeah, well, I, I just think it's really
3: important that we work towards having flowers in the garden 12 months of the year because if we're going to support our insects, including our bees... Um, we need flowers, mm-hmm. and uh, I think sometimes the flowers get lost in trying to get the food plants, you know, going. So, and I was just looking at my garden and thinking, well, what's been doing really well through winter? And I'm lucky because I don't have heavy frosts, so I've had a lot of salvias in flower and the. The plant that Millie was handling covetously there <laughs> um, is, is Selvia corrugata, which is a really nice – it has a lovely sort of almost
1: furry brown stem. It almost looks like a pomaderis, like a native yeah, pomaderis yeah, or something yeah. in its, it in its form. It doesn't get too big. Some mm.
3: salvias I find, just get too big. They mm. take so much effort to control and it has deep blue flowers, so it has big heads
1: of deep blue flowers, and quite vertical by the looks of it, like yep. a like a it quite, is quite upright. Yeah, yeah yep. quite an upright yep. plant. So
3: it's a it's a beautiful plant, and it's been mm. in flower for a couple of months. So that's been that certainly cool.
1: that whole group. I mean, and you talk about. Planting for the bees, you know, you, you've also got a couple of different types of rosemary, is yep. it, as well? You know, the same sort of lamiaceae flower, mm. um, blue flower is mm. just, um, it, it, it's the bee magnet, isn't it? Indeed. Anything and, in that group of plants. And a
3: bit later on it'll be the butterfly magnet as well, mm. so the blues mm. and purples for the butterflies. But the, the two rosemaries I've got here, are, uh, one of them is, is um, Tuscan blue, so it's got a really deep blue flower. Um, and is a generally a fairly low growing plant there are, seem to be two different forms one 's quite upright one 's a pillar isn 't it yeah, almost yeah, yeah and the other is quite sprawling oh, so okay. you do need to be sure of which one you which one you Planting this one is quite a sprawling one, okay. but I know Diggers has the very upright one, and they use it as the um, framing in their herb garden. Yeah, certainly in the um, nursery.
1: Years ago, <clears> we <throat> used to that was that was the variety Tuscan Blue Wild. Is yeah. meant to be a very right. sort of upright, upright to yeah. about only about sixty seventy yeah. centimeters tall. Not yeah. a not a big not a big, big shrub. bush. Yeah. No,
3: but yeah, so that's that one. This one, the other one that Millie's holding at the moment, I just adore. It's Chef's Choice. Can I have that as some
1: cuttings too, yeah, please? Thank you. absolutely. <laughs> that it's is a just, dense plant. It's
3: a really de- the, even when it's just the leaves, the, the, the leaves are so dense on the stem that, it, you know, it is just beautiful. But I love the way the flowers open up mm. the stem. It has a real almost jewel-like quality mm. to it. It's a very... Very pretty one, but the reason it's called Chef's Choice is that it has for me the best flavour of all the rosemaries. So, so, not it, as resinous, I suppose, a little it, more sweeter. It has sweeter true flavor. rosemary flavour, it doesn't have the menthol tones mm. mm. to mm. it that yes. a lot of rosemaries have, mm. um, which is still fine to use, but if mm. you, there is a huge variation, if you try that, compare it with that, mm. it's totally different. Crush- mm. Quite different, quite um, different. Quite, you know, the the other one's quite mentholy. The Tuscan Blue is quite mentholy, whereas that one is oh just, yes, is just rosemary.
1: I um, the so pink form the I used to use too, which are much wider, you know, yeah. more, um, much yeah. wider, more um, sort of full, soft. Uh, f- foliage but also quite a good flavor in that mm. way it doesn't mm. have that that undertone that is some of them are quite camphrey even yes. Or, yes, or you know are. those sorts yeah. of flavors yeah. so yeah look not all i mean there's so many different cultivars of rosemary available um, but it is it is worth investigating if you really purely if you're a flavor yep. flavor yep. lover yep. um it is worth and investigating it even what you can vary
3: have. from one plant to another within A a cultivar, too, I've found. So, Hmm. you know, if you're going to buy a rosemary, take a leaf off and smell it it and taste it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway, Lovely, one's chef's
1: and they're such a. You know, I I love them too. I, I we've you know in the house I'm living in, there's a big bush that needs to be cut back. But I sort of said to myself, oh, can we not cut it back at once? Oh, I'm just going to cut it over the next six weeks, and I bring the flowers in. You know, yes. I always feel a bit bit yeah. like a mongrel when I take them away from the bees. <laughs> I'm just taking these by,
3: but by trimming them, you're creating more growth, exactly. and more, flowers and flowers yes. and more flowers, yes. yes. And it's actually quite important because they can get quite leggy. Mm.
1: Yes, it. they really need
3: fewer flowers, reinvigorating, mm. don't they? Mm. Yep. Yep. yeah yep
1: pop yeah. that on my cutting pile mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it is the wonderful thing, and it is coming on time. You know, a couple in a couple of weeks. It's a great time to be taking cuttings of all of these things yeah. as they, yeah. you know, cut, new, gro- yeah, new growth. Um, yeah, new growth. And particularly, uh, I, I just wrote a story that that um, uh, that will be filmed this week, and you know, we're looking at um, things like the the wonderful little maze that's at the children's garden. Well, all right, if you want to make one of those, you can make one for free. Really, mm. in 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 this. You know, spring and early summer, taking tip cuttings of rosemary or lavender, you could you can get a hundred cuttings up very very quickly mm. and have it really planted out by the end of summer. So um, you yep. know, you can do almost anything once that growth starts to take off. And and certainly, you know, we talk about propagating. I'm, I'm obviously not going to get a hundred cuttings off of that, but next year I could. You could, yes, yes. I'll give you some more. Yes. <laughs> um,
3: I, and the other one of the other ones I've got here is is the Selvia elegans, which is the pineapple sage, yes, but this lovely. is the honey melon form of it. It's much has, finer. It, it is much finer. It has mm. a darker red flower and it has a darker leaf as well. And I find that it's not quite as vigorous as the other one, okay. which I find can be a bit of a problem in my fairly small garden. Mm, it is um, a bit. They are big plants, They, are, as you they can get, whereas this one doesn't get quite so big. So okay. I love it. And I, and I just really think it's a lovely flower. Great, it's a great flower, and and as I said, a much darker red, mm. uh, but still terrific flavour.
1: So do you? So you use the flowers and the foliage yep. both as as a yep. sort of culinary herb.
3: Yes, I do. Wow,
1: and that's almost a velvety flower. Mm. The, the, the cut, mm. it's you know, it's got a, a bit of a furriness to it. Mm. That's got yeah, a lovely fragrance as well. Pop that yep. on the cutting pile, pan. <laughs> Good fragrance. <laughs> 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 yeah. Although the, you see, the problem is when I
3: lived in Ballarat, these that sell the. Sylvia Elegans, the true pineapple sage that I had in the garden, it would just start flowering at the beginning of winter and then the first frost would hit it. Mm. Yes. And you wouldn't... You, you, it wouldn't flower again. Yeah. So, mm. it's really only good for the if you want to want it to flower right through winter. It's really only good if you're in a frost free, It's frost funny free yeah. area.
1: I, I almost, you know, salvias have been so particularly, mm. you know, Beautiful. when we went through Beautiful. that that drought, you know, that really dry mm. period, they mm. sort of came into their own. Many of the salvias as being, you know, penstemons fell away and those sorts of plants, and we started yeah. to to plant these. And I, I guess I thought maybe that we would stop using salvias as much, but they really are the answer to most problems. Yeah, like if you've yeah. got a flowering gap, if you, as you say, if you want something fast that's going to provide, you know, a good good sort of nectar source um, for the birds and the bees, you, you know, that that is that is the group of plants that without mm. fail, there'll be one that'll grow in shade, there'll be one that'll grow in the belting mm. sun, there'll be one mm. that'll get five foot tall, there'll yep. be one that gets, you know, 45 centimetres. It's yep. just it doesn't matter what Well, there's what over what a want.
3: thousand different species and wow. cultivars of ornamental salvias, so... You know, there's an awful lot of them out there. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, and they're, they're coming up with new ones all the
1: time because yes. they're breeding
3: them and there's some really
1: nice... Have you had a go florifers. up breeding yourself or have you no. had seedlings pop up that... um
3: Not that I have recognised as being substantially mm. different. No, mm. I'm look, I haven't got that many in the garden. I, I had a lot at one stage, but I've culled them back to the ones that I really love. The so, ones that work and yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one that I've forgotten the name off here that has the most amazing pink flowers... Um, it's not unlike the Bethel sage no, colour, it's is a, it? It's, it's sort of like that, but it goes to more than three metres and it's really wow. too big for where <laughs> I've got it. And each the last couple of years I've thought, oh, God, I've just got to dig that out and then... It'll come back and <laughs> No, you don't want to dig again. me and out. Look How gorgeous I look am. Look at me, look at me. <laughs> so but look, this year I'm going to bite the bullet and I, I am going to dig it out, but I'm just going to move it to a different spot. So where I, Pot can, it up where and I can, give it away. Where I can let it flower. Do massively. its thing, yes. 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 Thing. So, yes. so that's a, a moving mm. candidate. Okay.
2: Mm. Um, we've had a query on the outside line. Does anybody have suggestions to deter a neighbour's cats from coming into the garden? The caller's tried citrus peel and eggshells, AB suggested deter, but wondering if there's any
3: other suggestions. Um, I use wormwood to keep them out of specific positions. So if there's like a doorway area or they used to come in and use my potting mix as a a toilet when I had the nursery. Mm. Um, And I spread branches of wormwood across the top of that and they left it alone totally. Okay. So if you've got a specific area, it can be good. And the other thing that um, people use is ammonia. So a bowl of a bowl mm. of
1: ammonia or pepper, um, white pepper. If they're digging yeah. and sniffing, because they'll always sniff before they dig, do yeah. their
3: stuff. Have you ever tried chili powder? In no, the same I haven't thing? For, tried chili powder. Because that might powder. be worth trying, but I, I don't know any way to keep cats out of your garden. altogether.
1: water pistol. Uh, we'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think it's fair game. Go- like I told my neighbour, squirt when when the she the behaviour really changed and my cat started um, thumping her cat. Not that I, I can't believe I have a cat. Anyway, someone left a cat with me, so I know I have a cat. But uh, I gave her full permission to squirt it with the ice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but it is hard. I, I, but you've got to be there to mm. see it. Mm. And, yes, and, that's right. And mm. to do it. So, um, that, but if you want to keep them out
3: of particular areas, then mm. I would go for wormwood. All the, those scents. Which the tree, yeah. the tree wormwood.
1: mm easy to grow from cuttings it sure is, yep, yes, <laughs> very good. I was in another of the plants you you brought in, which I've got to say like i'm I'm such a fan of old fashioned annuals like mm. you, like you were saying before, um that we're almost i think and I think it's an enthusiasm thing with new gardeners who are new to growing food that sometimes they really can miss the flowers, you know mm. they sort of are on an excited bent of. Um, just growing growing food, but certainly um I read an article recently about American lettuce farmers mm. incorporating now ten percent of their crop is alyssum. Not lettuce, yep. and that they had reduced their pest control mm. needs by something just an amazing like ninety percent or something like that they did they actually didn 't need to control for aphids anymore
3: the, they, it also <clears throat> works if you 're looking at woolly aphids in apple trees, so i 've equally like you read research a couple of years ago and um, about planting alyssum under the apple trees, and they actually measured what beneficial insects were coming to feed on the on the um, alyssum, and it was all to do with the beneficial insects, and it was those beneficial insects then parasitized the aphids, the woolly aphids, and and they cut it by 80%. The, wow, the woolly aphid problem. So they are what, so what not ordinarily happens. So that the garden.
1: the adults would come to feed on the nectar, lay yep. their eggs locally, yep. and it's the juveniles of the the predator that actually yep. will you know eat well, buckets full yep. of aphids or, yep. or woolly aphid. But yep. um, and
3: it, that's why you don't use sprays, even organic sprays, because they will kill the larvae that are trying to feed on the aphid or, or the pest. whatever I mean, on the yes. pest, mm. as well as killing the pests.
1: Yes, so, yes. And once you know, I mean, in the right spot, once you get this going, it is one of the best weeds. You could possibly have. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, such a, and I, I I love the jewel mix, I think it's yeah. called. There's a, a beautiful, um, you know, mix of alyssum that has these beautiful burgundy tones and a pink yeah. and a purple, and they're just such beautiful, beautiful plants. But, but
3: the white is not to be sneezed at. Oh, I actually think the white is really good in a flower garden because it accentuates all the other
1: colours. It does, and it smells absolutely like scent. honey, doesn't it? Mm. It's just the most mm. wonderful flower. And, you know, I mean, the same can be said for the calendulas, which you've also. Brought in, you know, another just doer that'll, you know, bring not only colour to the garden, but also. I put
3: these seeds in in autumn, and this has been in flower since from autumn all the way through um, to now, and Mm. it's still flowering beautifully. Mm. uh, I eat them, I, you know, the leaves you can make into into, um, cream, the leaves and the petals you can make into healing creams. They've got so many different uses, and I just, and they're just beautiful. They just have this stark, beautiful gold orange flowers um and i love them yes you so. could
1: really look at them forever couldn't you yes, just, yes. now I, I did hear once that it was the brown scented that were more useful medicinally do you know if that is just i haven't heard probably that, not true. it may well be true yeah but, you know. mm. yeah gorgeous
2: let's go to our first caller we have um elaine in burwood good morning elaine good morning all um it's a long time since i've found you but Uh, there's a couple
4: of things here. Nice to hear your voice. Oh, thank you. I've got some Jerusalem artichokes and they're getting um, roots on them, what I'm trying to say. And uh, I don't want them, I've planted some, but there's about two kilos. If someone's passing, I'll just give them to you. And the other thing is, I want a phone number or something for my West Gippsland bus tour with John Fordham. All right. I've been on the other two. Yes. And um, uh, it, it was very interesting and I loved
2: it and I'm pleased to go on the third one. Okay. Um, have you got a paper and pencil along? Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, I'll give you John's number. Yes. 0407. 0407. Yes. 330. Yes. 303. Okay? Uh
4: Three. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. Oh, my phone number for any... Um
2: do you want to give that on air or do you want me to put you back to AB and she can take it and we'll pass it on to anyone who wants it? Um, yes. Okay. Okay, so just just hold the line yes, there. Yes, I
3: will. Okay. Bye. Um, The other thing I do when I've got excess is I just put them out the front on the nature strip Mm. with a sign. They go very quickly. And they just (laughs) go almost immediately. So when I prune the bay tree, I put the leaves in a bucket and put them out the front and say free bay leaves and... Yeah, you know, they do just disappear. So um, it, Elaine might like to just do that. you I know, put them out with a little front, sign with some cultural information. yes and saying free, and I'm sure well, they it, will go.
1: It certainly is tuber time, isn't it? Like yes. and um, getting ready for. I know uh, you know what this is. I'm sure. Have you eaten this? No. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that I want to eat it, but I have a bit of a fascination with um, nasturtiums. Yeah, I just have a love of them, and this is the tropiolum yes. tuberosum, the yes. mashua, and um, you. No, it it is the time to to be Mm. planting these. So I dug these up um, from a little plant, and it's quite a vigorous plant. I just had a little tube. um, I planted it in a mop mop bucket because I was on the move, um, and uh, have harvested a good probably kilo of tubers from one little plant in in quite restricted. You know, I Mm. I kept the water up to it, but really um, not not. Uh, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was the best growing growing environment, but um, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful climbing nasturtium. Mm. Um, and for me, the foliage is the the really lovely part of them. The way they they grip their stem with their little petiole, their leaf stem, mm-hmm. they'll um they'll sort of hang on as they clamber up anything. And I'm sure in the garden this could be rather vigorous.
3: Yeah. So what sort of height?
1: So it's well in, in a mop bucket, not so far. But no, they can certainly um they can certainly climb over a couple of meters, two to three okay. meters, um in a growing and, season. And they die back. And they die like back then completely. Then die. Yeah. So um just uh and at the moment I, I couldn't bring it in because I I couldn't uh, well anyway but I have flowering at the moment the uh, Tropaeolum tricolor which is oh, a yes. winter flowering little nasturtium Lovely. climbing nasturtium a really delicate plant mm. this thing's a bit more of a thug um, but um you know I just think such a I look at this. is probably the most beautiful tuber I think I've dug up in a long They're time. Fabulous, it's Fabulous! Um, yeah. and, and looking at photographs, it's a, it is a staple food crop um, in South America. So eaten quite widely there.
3: So does it taste like the leaves? Is it slightly peppery and?
1: I, look, I've read that it's not particularly good and I know that I, Stephen and I spoke about it once and he said he once dug one up and stuck it in the microwave and it was disgusting. Yes. I thought, well, you've made no effort <laughs> to prepare it there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, I should. I've got a few. I've replanted most of them and given quite mm. a few away. Um, but um, just a, a, a really lovely little plant. It almost looks like – I can't even describe almost
3: it. It's sort of an artichoke.
1: Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, yeah. And just a lovely rounded um, form. It's sort of uh, – got that, that, that patterning mm. of um of its of its habit. But um yeah, certainly this is the time to be getting in Jerusalem artichokes. Mm. And and they're one that you can just buy from the fruit and veg yeah. actually. And okka. And ok. Yeah. yeah.
3: And Chinese artichokes.
1: Yes. Have you grown that? Is yeah. that worth the effort? I think so. Yes. I think they're beautiful. They're and just they're they're a quite a like small
3: they're, they get to about I was holding it up on radio. <laughs> um, about 15 centimetres long is the biggest. And that's a can species be... of Stachys, like yeah, related to the land yeah. Here? Yeah, yeah. St- status of Venus is oh, its yes. botanical name. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's another one that can get weedy, though, so you want to be a bit careful where you plant it. I grow it in a pot, so I don't grow a lot every year, but I grow some so that I've got a few mm. to use. So they're grown not so much for their flavour but for their c- crunchy texture and their look because they look just fabulous. They're, they're sort of... Um, long and slightly bumpy oh, okay and yes, t- yes. tapering at either end yes and they they just they look, look almost in like an insect like a yeah, caterpillar a bit or like something yeah like a caterpillar but with pointy ends Yes. <laughs> ah, I must have
1: a go. I must have a go. I mean, there's so many things and I know um, but James... all
3: of them can be planted now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, coming in, even some of the Australian ones, James has been James Beattie's been experimenting with his um, the Microseris, the yam daisy, the native mm. yam yes, daisy, yes. you know, trying to get enough of a, a stock of those up so that he might actually get a feed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it takes a couple of years to, to get enough to, to replant mm. and say, okay, mm. now I have a crop that is is, is very edible. But um, certainly, I mean, I guess if, you, if you're going to be planting these things Uh, you were talking before about wet soil just making sure that you've you've got a good well-drained soil you know fair bit of organic matter in there if you can and um and certainly there's plenty of good set and forget tubers that's for sure you can take one okay, home if you'd like you. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's we're just, having a real we're just swap a plant this swap morning. morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess the, the other flavour, and this is one that I'm sure Penny is familiar with, but yeah. um, this is worth eating on air, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, Pam's got to eat it as well. Yeah. But um, I, I uh, for years, have been trying to grow. Wasabi, mm-hmm. and I, I have the plan. I actually divided it up this year and repotted, and it seems to be particularly um, happy about it. So true, wasabi being a little member of the well the brassica family. Yep, and um, looks almost like a buttercup in its in its foliage. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really attractive plant. I've got it growing in a big um, grow bag. Ah, yeah, it's fantastic! Doing quite well. And in, in how much
3: sun are you? You almost no sun. It gets a bit of early morning because it's under veranda so ah. it's in quite a shady so you'd have position. to remember to water it pretty regularly absolutely yes
1: yeah so i mean it's yep. incredible a food crop that mm. wants to grow in a wet shady spot yep. mm. um, yeah um it's pretty unusual and mm. and um but it, you know it it has been quite slow for me i've got mm. to say so the the moment to harvest i've never know really when mm. i should should do that and um and how how well it will survive taking that growing tip out um, and hopefully to to bunch up but um in in its you know in its in its as a replacement i I just think this is one of this the best is delicious this is delicious isn't it so oh. this is a mustard green mm. which is called uh, wasabi greens is it is okay. it sort of sale okay. sales name and um it, it truly does taste like wasabi without the kick it's got a bit of mustard kick to it
2: it, it has it has got that mustard flavor but it it it's not Overpowering, like no. a lot of the mustard leaves are. Some of them I find just too much. Yes, but this is, and, and even hot, the
1: texture is. It looks a bit delicate. like
3: myosoma, but it's not. Yeah, as hot. yeah. I was thinking oh, it was. A, yeah.
1: Yes. So it's just a—it's a, it's a it's really gorgeous. wonderful green. It's quite hard to get. So I know yeah. there's only one company that imports the seed, I think. And it'll jump—it'll jump, it'll jump yeah, out it's at me soon. Tricky because
3: there's a few different plants called
1: mustard greens. Um, yes. Oh big, yes. The big flat-leafed um, mustard yes. plant is
3: sometimes called green mustard or mustard greens. Yes. So this
1: plant. one is nor is sold as wasabi greens. Okay. And I'm not sure if any of the herb growers are growing it from seed uh, okay. yet and and selling Do it know, potted. Do you know? Well, it is well. Do I know it's. Yes, it's a mustard. It's just a mustard green, but I'm so not it's sure. A brassica. Yeah, it's. Something. Yes, we, we should work that out, shouldn't we? I'm well, just thinking yeah, it's for a, a moment. There's a bit
3: of contention around the brassicas, anyway, <laughs> as to what you call them and whether
1: you give them groups or whether you give them vars. Yes, and, yeah. or. Oh, this yeah. is a conversation we have endlessly uh, yeah. at Gardening Australia when we have <laughs> to super a broccoli. <laughs> Same with citrus. Citrus is yeah. getting even harder yep. again, too, but um, as they reclassify and so, I guess genetically so identify. Where did you find who was stocking it let me uh, I, it'll come into my brain again okay. as, as the show progresses and actually I can I'll look it up while I'm here but that um, is a must-have
2: grain for the garden yeah
1: it really is and I bought quite a large amount of seed um, it's one of the the big seed mobs uh, who are up in um, uh, up in New south Wales all and, right uh, they they do um they were fantastic I had a great conversation with uh with the the lady who who imports it and she says every time she imports it It just sells out, so Mm -hmm. it might be quite hard to find. I'll I'll try and look the seed seed merchant up while we while
5: we do some callers. We'll go to some callers.
2: Um, I might go to uh, Robert next because he's down in cows. Good morning, Robert. Hello.
5: How are you all? We're well. Gorgeous morning. Yes. Yes. Look, I I was up early. Just uh, across the road, there's a natural park, and I heard an orchestra of all the birds. Oh, lovely! Giving praise. Lovely. Absolutely. Now everything's going well. I've just about got the chook pen finished, right? And building a pigeon loft.
4: Oh, well, well done.
5: Always keep pigeons because if you keep pigeons, you will attract hawks. You lose a few pigeons, but you have the beauty of the hawk in your backyard.
1: That's a that's that's taking pest control to another level. I think.
5: Well, I've always kept pigeons. Oh. I love pigeons, but but I've, I love hawks too, and. I've noticed over the years that the hawks know if it's a friendly area, uh, especially I don't keep a cat, and they get to know that they're safe. So you you might have three or four different species over 12 months. You lose a pigeon or two, but it's worth it for the beauty of the hawk. So uh, uh, in the process of getting the pigeon loft uh, built, and the other thing I was going to ask is: it a bit early to start dividing dailies up? Just casting my eye. I
1: wouldn't have thought so.
5: Wouldn't have thought so. No, they'll
1: be ready. They'll be ready to move soon. So yes, they will be moving yeah, soon. I would. Um, I would get that done.
5: And uh, good time to start putting in some carnations.
1: Yes.
3: Yeah, yeah mine, lovely flower to grow. Yeah, That's a, yeah. yeah. My some of my dianthas are just starting to come into flower at the moment. Mm. So. Are they yeah. already? Yep.
5: Mm. Wow. Yeah, I managed to pick up a couple of years ago. A lady had a magnificent uh, uh, couple of carnation bushes, and they were a gorgeous, purple, uh, a very big flower, and they've got a gorgeous scent to them. So she took some cuttings for me, and she got them growing and gave me half a dozen. So I've got a beautiful, it's a beautiful carnation. Mm, great. Uh, Some of those lovely big flowers don't always have a good scent.
3: No, the smaller ones often have the stronger clove scent. That's quite true.
5: Yes, yes, but I managed to get some of these. But uh, anyway, good to hear the program, and I'll be uh, flat out trying to get the pigeon off ready.
1: Yes, good right.
5: on you. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Have okay, bye. You.
1: It's so terrible I've brought a plant in that I absolutely have no idea where you can get it. Okay. I'm sure I'm sure some of the herb growers will be actually growing this mm. now because the seed, mm. I, I bought this seed maybe three years ago. Okay. Um, quite a big big batch off the, the wholesaler. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm almost certain that there'll is be it, a few is, of the growers. Is it one that you can collect seed from and regrow? I haven't done that and it hasn't, I, I often just let things seed with mm. my mustards and, you know, mm. in, a, in a garden you'll just find yeah. you have mustard Time and time again, um, and certainly, you know, years ago, a three CR listener sent me some some of their mustard seed yes. when I was talking about. And I've been growing that brown mustard seed mm-hmm. and harvesting and making my own mustard for years. So yes, she uh, when I spoke to the, the seed seed grower, she um, she certainly said she thinks it will stay true to type, um, but they haven't trialed it either. So okay. I will I will endeavour to um, probably not this year, but. In coming years, I'll endeavour to, to prove prove that one. But um, okay. certainly, I will. Uh, I will in, try and work it out by the end of the show. Absolutely,
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was.
2: We're all coveting it. I know.
1: Well, it, I mean, and it is one of those. I've, I've given little bits of cedar weight to lots of people because you know I have sort of had to buy a wholesale size bag and not. Kilos, yes, but, but you know it was an eighteen dollar packet much. of seeds, yes. sort of thing. So, um, but I'm sure that people will be trying to get that into the the main market, and um, certainly some of the romantic herb growers and mm. some of those herb you'd growers. Think you'd that
3: hope you'll be able to buy seedlings of them soon. That's one of my yes, yes, hopefully. Ones. Yep.
2: Mm. Yep. Well, someone who might know is online. We have uh, mm. Jill from East Malvern. Good morning, Jill. Good day, Pam. Penny. Hi, Jill. And somebody
4: else.
1: Millie. Hi. How are you going, Jill?
4: Um, I thought that maybe dog bane would work for that cat. You yeah, know, because when it's broken mm, it smells like dog manure.
3: It does smell pretty awful. Um I I I've seen it work on some dogs but I haven't seen it work on cats. But look I, I think anything is worth trying and it certainly it has it's a really pretty plant yeah. but it has a disgusting smell. I've got
4: the most hide- hideous story. My in laws moved in thought this nice, put this little blue flower in a vase and went off for a walk after they'd moved in everything, came back and were looking at their feet. No, it was the offensive vase of flowers in the hallway.
3: <laughs> ah. yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I, I did something similar and to me it smells like stale sweat. Uh,
1: yeah, I a, don't mind the smell of it, I've got to say. I, I, I find it not not terrible.
3: They're, they're, I quite often take it along to talks and hand it out and people pass it around. And generally the response is that it's a pretty awful smell. But I mm. do find that people's smell responses are very, very varied because there was one guy who grabbed this plant and smelt it and said, oh, it smells just like my favourite beer. So he obviously <laughs> thought it was a good smell. <laughs> well, what's you using to brew it? <laughs> well, no, he just, the smell compared to yeah. his beer, so...
4: Yeah. Can I also tell about the Herbs of the First Fleet, which is going to be on September the 22nd, uh, 26th
1: absolutely, Burnley,
4: and Sue Evans is going to talk about which herbs were brought on the First Fleet and were used in the colony of New South Wales.
2: Okay, interesting.
4: So that's uh, from one thirty in the main building, room 10 at Burnley,
2: mm-hmm.
4: Horticultural Centre, and that's um, Melway 45A12, and people will park in the Yarra Boulevard. Yeah, and um, I can give my mobile online because people can book in that way. Okay. Um, 04. Yes. 78.
2: Yes. 652. Yes. 223. Okay. I'll just repeat that. zero four seven eight six five two 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 three. That's right. Okay, excellent. So that's and September think, the 26th. I
4: think
3: we have room for 50 people. All right. Excellent. That would
1: be fascinating. Would be what tour. did they bring? Do you well, know what they brought? they brought
3: garlic. They brought garlic. The garlic came in on the first flesh, yes. Okay. Flesh, yes. okay. Flesh, yes. Really?
1: Yeah. Yes. And we still didn't work out how to make spaghetti bolognese well, until I don't know 1980. Well, I don't know how long it lasted. Ah, <laughs> of course. So, although it came, I don't know that. That it survived that long. So, are there things that we know did persist from those early days? I, like, I mean, I don't there would know have been all sorts persistence, of f- But
4: well, I know that um, Margaret Catchpole came, um, I think maybe, yeah, I can't remember if it was the first or second fleet, but she was a horse dealer and then um, she became really a, a mid- midwife and also a nurse and gave out herbs, you know, for helping people to be healthier.
0: Mm. Yeah. All right. So,
4: you know, it'll be absolutely fascinating. Yes, absolutely. And um, can I just give out the Herb Society's website? Sure. Herb Society Vic. one word, mm-hmm. dot org dot au. So I have all the information on there. You know, Penny's talk is there with um, a garlic bulb and then a, and a flower and things like that. You know, and I leave all the former talks on so that people can see the sort of activities that we have.
3: Yeah. Look, it's a great society, Jill, and you do a fantastic job with the website. I, you know, mm-hmm. You're know, you very much to be commended in getting all that information out there.
4: Well, I just love it. And now there's a Facebook site, which is slightly different. It's called The Herb Society of Victoria. And would you believe the address is Richmond on that and Burnley on the website? Ah. Because, because it's um, in some... In Melway, it's Burnley, and uh, no, no. In Melway, it's Richmond, mm. but when you go to Google, it's Burnley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Very, but Burnley's like a sub-sub suburb of yes. Richmond, just as yeah. say Murrumbina is of of Caulfield, which is of Glen Ira. Yes. Know? Okay. So mm. um, on on September the fourth, we're having a. Uh, talk about making your own aromatics, you know, like insect spray, and um, uh, that's um, you know for things like mosquitoes just around the uh, barbecue area, mm-hmm.
0: um,
4: and making uh, anti-repellent uh, repellent skin things, you know, to put on oneself, and making little perfumes and things like that. It
3: sounds great. So that'll
4: be nice from a lady who's called Saroma, Um and uh Sarah's her name so that'll be on but I'll talk about that later Okay thank you very All right.
2: much Thanks, Jill. Bye. Bye.
1: Now, my brain freeze has I've pr- solved the problem. It's Royston Petri Seeds. So they are quite a large grower in New South Wales. They do all their own tomatoes, actually. Okay. But everything else they're sort of importing and, and, and using other – and they have an incredible range of seeds. Just be careful if you get onto that website. It might cost you some money because <laughs> <laughs> they have a great range. Um, and so, yeah, you're looking at about $7.70 for a, a packet, but, you know, you've got, a, you've got a huge amount of seed in there. Yes. Um, Thousands and thousands of seeds. So you could go Harvey's with other gardeners. Yes. And it does indicate on their website that they do have it in stock but whether that's um, true or not um,
3: maybe not for long when we no. uh, when <laughs> yes well yes it's a
1: little bit like that but when we um, when we put to air the tip of Jerry Colby Williams planting barbaria vulgaris um, which is he calls it land cress, but a lot of people call it upland cress or American Cress mm. um, which works as a, a very effective trap crop for um, both cabbage white and well actually a number of the, the cabbage butterflies um, and and and, well the caterpillars so they have to lay their they can't not lay their eggs on it and then the caterpillars die Right, they can't can't actually feed on it so we put this to Air on Gardening Australia and got several million um, emails and questions <laughs> and phone <laughs> wow. calls all wanting to track down this seed because right. it's not very commonly sold and I knew there was, a, I, I knew that um, I think uh, one company definitely had it, another one said they did but they had it as a different, you know like it was one yeah. of these tricky things and, and the lovely lady from Royston Petri rang me and I thought she was going to give me an earful, but she just said, "No, where can I tell people to get it? Because <laughs> we don't have it." And, yes, um, and uh, yeah, and actually, interestingly, I was speaking to a herb grower who grows, um, who grows it as an edible in uh, in uh, New South Wales, as and he puts them into supermarkets and whatnot, and he said that he sold out within. You know this period of time, so it was amazing. This little piece of information mm. that, that no one had ever heard before, but it's excellent information for yes. any vegetable mm. oh, grower. Yes. Mm. Um, that uh, just we we sold everyone out. But, yeah, <laughs> she was lovely. She said, "I'll tell them
3: to get it there." <laughs> I have to say in. that I've had it in my garden for twenty years. There you go. So I've and do you use it, it as, it as a
1: self-sows
3: all over the place? I just have it growing everywhere.
1: And um, so, what do you do? You think it makes a, a good difference for your brassica crops? I haven't seen it. Okay. No. Interesting.
3: So, but I haven't planted it specifically in between the brassicas, and I tend to grow my brassicas in winter, mm. where the where the
1: that where spring autumn problem. problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Down here, whereas further north you you've got them all year round, so you do need mm. something that's more. Mm. But maybe I need to try it. But um, yeah, yeah, I used to grow it when I had the nursery in it was the herb nursery in Ballarat more than. Well it must have been, actually it's closer to 30 years ago now yes. so I must and I've had it ever since because it just keeps self-sowing in the garden. And is it a
1: a good edible for you? Oh fabulous. I yes. love it. Uh,
3: particularly in winter it's the two the the two things that I love in winter salads are the are the land crests and and I do call it land crests, although you are right mm. it is called upland crests as well. And the oh god, I'm going to have a mental blank. on that. Yeah, exactly. morning, neither of us has <laughs> had had coffee, I think <laughs> it's the it's the little French soft leaf lettuce-y yeah. type, like the plant. miner's lettuce. No, corn. but miner's lettuce is good. Corn
1: salad, corn salad, corn, oh, corn yeah. salad. That is a lovely plant. It, isn't it
3: has it? doesn't have a lot of flavour in and of itself, and mm. that combination of the corn salad and the upland cress mm. is or the winter oh, cress I I is winter just salads. beautiful. It's mm. a really nice combination. So. I t-
1: there's so many good flavours. I mean, it, uh, for me, I, I grow lettuce. All the time, like I, because I, mm. I, I can eat, you know, two kilos of greens a day. Mm. I live on chlorophyll, it's, you know, and I know that I'm really different. A chef friend of mine said, she was working in the kitchen and she went to put some parsley onto a dish, and her boss said, "No, no, I'm, I don't muck around with that stupid garnish stuff." And you know, I want a handful of parsley yeah. on, <laughs> on everything I eat. It's not garnish <laughs> for me, I, you know. Yeah. But um, in winter, you just get this. There's so many great flavors that you can grow. All of the mustards, you know. I've got you know four or five mustards that I just sow just scattered mm. seed into a, mm. in a into a polystyrene box you know before I moved yeah. and, and um and yeah certainly the miners lettuce is a, mm. another beautiful one and not it, hugely productive but lovely yes
3: and, yeah. and an Great interesting flavor. little yeah yep. and a really interesting little plant too mm. i had that in Ballarat growing all over the place it grows really well in a colder mm. climate a so colder like, soil yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. yeah.
2: That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, we'd love to hear from you, 9419 0155. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. We have Penny Woodward and Millie Ross in the studio this morning, so do give us a call. We're running through until 9.15, which is our usual time slot. I have um, two more um, announcements which I should get to. These are both taking place in September, but they're certainly worthy of noting in your diaries The first one is that Burnley is having its annual open day coming up on Saturday, September the 5th, uh, running from 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m. This, of course, is down at Burnley Campus, 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. And uh, this is being held in conjunction with um, the University of Melbourne's Faculty of Science and the Friends of Burnley Gardens. Now, uh, in the program, there's going to be a course expo showcasing undergraduate, graduate and short courses in horticulture. Special guest for the day is going to be David Glenn of Lambly Nursery. Uh, The Friends of Burnley are going to have a plant sale. There'll be garden tours with the Friends of Burnley and there'll also be green roof and nursery tours. So if you're at all interested, uh, for instance, in a career in horticulture, well uh, that's the place to go and visit and have a, a really good listen to all the various uh, different courses that are available um, for you and of course it's always a wonderful opportunity to go and have a look at the uh, the green roof there at Burnley which um, is going really from strength to strength uh, the other <clears throat> announcement that uh, again for the diary this is the Mount Macedon Garden Lovers Fair, they've changed the name this year because um, it's uh, going to be uh, they're focusing on the garden as well as on the fair. It's taking place at Bolabek again, which is at 370 Mount Macedon Road in Macedon. Now, the entry uh, for the fair and the garden is $10. Children are free. And it's all taking place on Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of September, 10 a.m. through to 4 p.m., and uh, of course, there's going to be um, just loads and loads of uh, stall holders, quality stall holders that, um, that you can't uh, normally uh, get to visit all in one spot. Um, there'll also be specialist and artisan garden tools. There'll be quality outdoor teak furniture. There'll be a plant, plant creche service and plenty of children's activities, also with uh, guest speakers and garden celebrities. Good food, wine and coffee, uh, secateurs and garden tool sharpening, which is always a great uh, thing to offer. And, uh, of course, you can explore the magnificent Bollebeck Garden, which will be fully open. Now, um, there is no admittance to the visitor's car park until 9.30 on the Saturday and the Sunday. And no dogs are uh, admitted. If you want to uh, check out more about which stallholders are going to be there, you can go to the Mount Macedon uh, website, www.mountmacedonhorticulture.org.au or if you'd like to uh, give someone a call, 0418 That's 0418 248 Coming up there on the nineteenth and twentieth of September. Okay, that number, as I mentioned, if you'd like to join in, nine four one nine zero one double fives to to ask a gardening question this morning, we'd love to hear
3: from you. Pam, could yes. I mention um, the latest issue of Organic Gardener? Sure, <clears throat> magazine. I just think it's a really nice issue. I mean, I think they're all really nice. <laughs> And I'm not biased. I'm not biased. Um, but it's, I particularly like this issue because it's covering some, some different things. It's got a really good article from Justin Russell on chilies. Yes. And some of the beautiful range of chilies. Lovely article from Millie about compost and worm farms. Um, which is really good, and I've done. And there's a, one that I really loved, which is all about tea, because okay. I'm, I'm a tea drinker as well as a coffee drinker, and um, looking at different types of tea and actually how you can grow your own. And I did one on um, some unusual Vietnamese greens. So it's a it's a they're calling it the world issue. So it's covering yeah, there's some international some, issues in yeah, there as well. Yeah. yeah. So there's and there's some really really interesting articles. Another one on chickpeas. Um, woofing because people come from all over the world to, you know, grow... Woofers are willing workers on organic farms in case people don't come and realise what that means. Away.
1: Um, I mean, in chilies, it is the time almost, if you're going to be growing all your tomatoes from seed and, and some yep. of those things, to be actually doing that. I'd, I'd be sowing tomatoes. It sounds appalling, doesn't it? I'd be sowing now. I'd actually yes. already, yep. or, already yep. have sown if I was going yep. to go a lot from seed. But um, chilies are just the most fun to grow, I think. Mm. Like in, mm. in my old garden, which is... I look at that picture actually in the compost area that I had to take for that article and my little heart goes a bit. (laughs) Um, But uh, in my garden that I've just left, you know, I had this hedge of chilies for Mm. years and and every year I'd lose one or two in that hedge um, and it was planted all in amongst a a curved um, fence that I built out of fallen sort of eucalypt um, Mm. limbs that, you know, just sort of like almost – um, you know just sort of a vertical wall uh, around the veggie garden and it gave me so much pleasure because many of the chilies I grew from seed from f- the Footscray markets yeah. you know like yeah. I, I, I didn't know what to call my cultivars because it's the man told me to buy this one and <laughs> you know the lady said no 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 not that one get this one you know so they're what the cultivar names were for me but um, you know such a diversity I, I really could never eat enough of the chili and so the last couple of years I started doing a fermented hot sauce mm. which is a good way to use a, a lot of chilies up and, and a great you know, because I'm so used to fresh food, I, I don't necessarily always remember about sauces. But it's a really nice way to get even heat. You know, as opposed to like having nuggets of chili in things, which can sometimes you know blow your head off when they get caught in the back of your tooth. Yeah, um, yeah making just a fermented sauce where I just blended the chilies up with a bit of salt and actually let them ferment over over a period of time and then push them through a sieve. Um, and uh, you know, a great hot sauce. And all, Mexican food is very popular at the moment. Oh yes, you know, so it is. and I, I stand in cafes and there's 27 different. Different hot sauces, and they all look so manufactured. And they're all just full mm. of vinegar. They're mm. just chili and vinegar, really. Yes, mm. um, but yeah, so much fun to grow chilies from seed. Yeah. Yeah, and they're so decorative. They're gorgeous, and they'll persist yeah. in Melbourne. And
3: I, the chili that you gave me, the perennial one, yes. which it's mm. just grown into a huge bush, oh, they which is another big. one I've got to move. Actually, <laughs> I've just just cut it back, but it's still got bright red chilies on it. So's mine. But it's gone right through
1: winter like yes. that, and yes. they just look fabulous. I know, even, even nice if you plant. never eat them. Yes, you know, they look fabulous. Yes. Is that like, the Capsicum pubescens, yes. the Rakota? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I've uh, I've I've been trying to get my hands on an orange, uh, yellow form of that because oh. I believe there is one around. Okay, um, but yeah. It's a, it makes a great – that makes a great hot sauce as well because they're mm-hmm. so fleshy. It does. Yes. There's a lot of moisture yeah. in the – like almost like a, a, mm. a bell – little yeah. pepper. Yes, They look yeah. really like
3: it. in fact, I gave a whole um, bag of them to someone and they then passed them on to someone else. Mm. And this this someone else's partner apparently picked up one of them thinking it was a tomato. Oh, and, no. And bit into it. Oh. And it just – Blues, head on. <laughs> they are hot. They are really hot. They are really hot. <laughs> but if it's, they do but they've look. they've a flavour. They have that. Yes, they They're not they just do straight heat. They're they really have, have a flavour yeah. to yeah. them, which mm. is wonderful. Yep. Yep. I use them in my Tamarillo chutney when I make Tamarillo oh, chutney. Oh, okay. They're, it's beautiful. Okay. And Tamarillo chutney.
2: Yep, yep. And all you need is one and you get so many seeds inside, you can get a lot of plants out of yes. that. Yes. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, actually. I, I often take them to talks and mm. things I'll often, you give know, them, cut them, them open them show people the black yep. seeds. And, yes. Yep. And, you know, people – I love taking – you know, it's amazing people just swarm when you're giving away mm. a handful of little seeds. But I gave one to Arno King in Sydney yes, last right. year. And he took it back up to – Queensland, and mm. you know they just yeah. they go all over the place. Yes, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, now brilliant. Mm.
2: Okay, we have. Um, let me see. We have Jill Ines Mulvan back. Good morning, Jill. Again. Oh, hi, Pam. Billy.
4: <laughs> um, I bought some organic care shampoo, and it's made in Fern Tree Gully, only from vegetable products. Okay. And the um, the palm oil uh, that's in it comes from a certified plantation that's been, you know, in operation for a long, long time. So it's not endangering orangutans.
2: Habitat, yep. So um,
4: I just thought that was interesting. And it's available at the Dreaded Safeway. And it's for 400 mils, it's $3.50. And at the moment, they're having a sale to for $4. Gosh. So that you could get the shampoo and conditioner for $4. Yep. And, um... Yeah, so I've used it and excellent. So okay. I just thought, well, we well, need. I think it's worth knowing Australian about jobs, and we yeah. need to use plants, not all those hideous chemicals.
2: Mm. Yes, and, uh, and you're supporting a local company.
4: Yes, exactly mm. right.
2: Mm.
4: And, all good stuff. Um, people working up at Fern Tree Gully. Yes, fantastic. Mm. Are, are not going to the dreaded M M word on the way. <laughs> the um, you know the food chain that's there. Yes. Uh, yes. yeah, yeah. So. And the other interesting thing that I thought people might know is I bought some fritillaria seeds. Mm-hmm. Seeds? Okay. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm experimenting with those, you know, a bit of um, um, sharp sand and some of my own compost and seeing if I can get those going.
1: Okay. Anyway. Excellent. Right. Now, are there many plants that you can use as soaps? I've been thinking about this because there's a few waddles that um, you know that Aboriginal people used to use. You know, just lather it and I'm yeah. lather, that's that yes, noise. Yes, Sorry, yes. that's great radio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the lather noise. Well, there's the, <laughs> um, the
3: area, the soap, the soap plant, soap, soap so, plant. Yeah. yeah so that well, we been... used, we used to use
4: um, that blue flowering thing and spit on it and then make soap out of it when we were kids. Oh, Salosia. No, not Salosia. That's different. Um, it's a name like that, but it's got blue flowers. It's a big bush with slightly crinkly leaves and... Cyanopus. They look like.
1: Can you say it again? Cyanopus is it? Yes,
4: cyanopus.
1: Yes, yes,
4: Pacific blue. That makes, oh wow, that, that makes a soap. Soapiness.
1: That's
0: interesting.
4: Pretend we were, you know, washing our hands with that when we were oh. Oh, well, I must have been under ten because we moved from that house where we had it when I was ten. So. Okay.
3: Mm. Oh well, there I, you go. I um, the saponaria is used in even by big museums to wash some of the um, really fragile tapestries and stuff like that ah. because it is not caustic, so it's they, a soap they, without the caustic nature of it. Oh. So yeah, they, so.
4: Actu- they actually make u- it's the roots that are used. Yeah. And then the foam from that is used to sort of dry clean the um, tapestry.
2: Yeah. Right.
4: Did a bit of research on that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, Mm. thanks for all of that, Jill. That's all right. Bye. Bye. Right. Next up, we have Pam in
6: Kyneton. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody. Nice frosty morning again. Oh,
2: <laughs> yes, it would be up there.
6: <laughs> I listen to all you ladies talking about all the things you grow and oh, I just sit here and drool. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Winter selbyers, I wouldn't even think about them, let alone plant them. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yes. Never mind. Um, now, Penny, I wanted to ask you about my garlic. Yes, Penny. So every year I plant garlic, as i spoken with you a few times. So I've got about 50 closed in and they're all growing nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, They're about 15 centimetres tall.
3: That sounds about right.
6: Now, because we've had such severe frosts this year Mm -hmm. and they've been frosted really badly, should I... um, Because normally I don't feed them. Once I put them into good soil, I normally don't feed the garlic in any way, shape or form. So But
3: this year, should I be giving them a little bit of liquid, something? Um, Look, I would be guided by how your plants are looking. If you start getting a little bit of yellowing, um, I would be putting some liquid, um, something, a fish emulsion or, you know, something like that on them. Yes. Um, And maybe you should be giving them some seaweed extract because that will help to toughen them up a bit. I, I just hope if you've been getting really severe frosts that you planted them deep enough. Yeah, um, they
6: seem to be going okay. Yeah,
3: because you can get some damage to the bulbs if they're closer to the surface, if you get really heavy frosts, it's the only time that you go deeper than about two to four centimetres is if you get frosts that go right into the soil um, so, because you can get some damage to the bulbs.
6: Right, so the damage to the bulbs, because this year with my bulbs, um, I'm noticing that there there was like um, a brown scab almost on the top of some of the cloves. Mm. Would that have been because I planted them too shallow?
3: Uh, Sorry, when was the when did you see the brown scab? Was that at the? Oh, sorry,
6: that's the ones that I've harvested from last year. It
3: could be, yes.
6: Ah, right. So, what would you recommend? How deep would you recommend that I plant them?
3: um well if in Canada uh, they put them down eight centimetres if eight in really yeah in really really cold conditions but they they get frosts that go so deeply into the soil that you know sort of minus 10 and 15 yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So we only so, get minus 5. <laughs> yeah, look, you're, you're probably fine um, going down to 4 or 5 centimetres.
6: Oh, okay. Now, but, I never knew that before. That's yeah. very interesting. But you see, I
1: plant mine at 2 centimetres. So do they have contractile roots, though? Do they sort of pull themselves down into the soil or move around at all? Not necessarily. They're more likely to push, push themselves up, up. Yep. Okay. Oh,
3: than to go right. down. So, but, um, but the other thing you can do is mulch.
6: Mm. Yes, I was just going to say that. And what would you mulch with?
3: Um, I all, I mulch in my garden with sugarcane mulch all right, because yeah. it's fairly fine. It doesn't yes. form a thick mat yes. where if you yeah. suddenly get heavy rain, mm. um mm. creates fungal problems. Yeah, um, and it and sit
6: around the garlic yeah. more easily. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Oh, that's it. very interesting, you see. You learn something every day. <laughs> but look,
3: I'd definitely go with a bit of the seaweed. Um,
6: I will, I might just give them a bit of a, a drench this week with some yeah. seaweed. Make yeah. sure,
3: make sure you've watered first. Sometimes people forget that um, you know if you're we've wanting had to. We plenty of rain. Penny. The
6: ground is really wet. Here. Okay, that's mm. fine
3: then. You don't need to yeah. worry. I just know that in some areas they're not getting rain, and um, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. It so sure. uh, isn't and Even this year, I've had to put frost cloth over the top of the um, my little Romanesco's that were rotting on the top. Oh. Okay. So I put frost cloth over them and and that's um, kept them good. Yeah, other years I haven't had to do that, but this year's not been too good. Anyway, Mm. and I wanted to tell Millie that when, Millie, when you came and talked with Nillimbik Garden Club all those years ago when I was there. Yes. And you gave me some um, oak leaf hydrange. yes. You gave them to me, I was helping you pack your car and you must have been somewhere that I must day. have
1: had some plants left, <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> Cuttings in the back of your car and you said to me, would you like a piece of oak leaf? Oh, yes, please. Now, that oak leaf hydrange grew in Melbourne really well and I've bought it up here and it's growing really well up ah. here as well and I've divided it and now I've got an extra bit, so...
1: Well, that's lovely, Pam, Thank because you. at that very same... That was probably the first garden club gig I ever did. Oh, And gosh. at the very same garden club... Um I, when I was judging, the, I loved it, judging the floral competition, you know, sort of staring mm. as you walk along and staring at the, the different pots of things while everyone stares mm. at you to sort of see your <laughs> reaction. But I, I noted there was a beautiful abutilon, an orange um, with yeah. this incredible venation on it. This, And I said, as I looked at it, I said, oh, gee, I'd love a cutting of that. And so as I left that club that night Mm. someone thrust that cutting into my hand and I I took it home and I've grown it in every single garden since and um, and it's it's the most wonderful I've finally worked out it's a it's a species actually called Picton.
3: Oh, and right.
1: after all of these years of growing it and not knowing uh, what it was, um, just thinking it was a cultivar, and it's such a—it's a very vigorous on It it goes right up. Um, mm. But every garden I've had, I've I've plonked one in. I've propagated, you know, a few more just for this. Last, I've ta- I've got four pots at home ready to go. Mm. Um, and the 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 wattlebirds absolutely love it, mm. and the little um, olive throated, the little olive finch as well. Mm. And all of the nectar has come and. Um, spend their life on it. So, yes, the uh, Nillambit Garden Club, we, where there was some exchange yeah. happening as there is this morning in this <laughs> studio, actually. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Isn't that great? It's I love lovely. that you know where your plants come from. You really, yeah. most yeah. things in your garden, you'll sort of be able to run your eyes over and know, know, it know it. where it came mm. from. Yeah. And yeah.
6: sometimes when you shift, they're, they're the hardest things to leave if you can't mm-hmm. take them with you. Like Indeed. my, mm. I had the most stunning pomegranate tree in Melbourne, mm. which unfortunately the possums discovered. Um, An absolute stunning tree and it was grown from my grandmother's old tree and that was the hardest thing I had to leave in Melbourne. Did you take some cuttings when you left, Pam? I did and I had a seedling. That I'd grown on, and I bought it up here, and it—they just can't take the cold here. And after three winters, it died. Um, And it just was never ever going to survive. I should have given it away to somebody else Mm, in Melbourne. mm. I thought I could grow it and did everything right, but maybe you could go um, and knock
1: on the door and see if it's still there. And they just tried. Oh yes, actually, I could do that. Why not?
6: No, I never thought of that. Yes, go back and back to the old house. Sometimes I have got a friend there.
1: Yes. Yeah, we'll do that. I uh, I donated I, I donated some trees because I, you know, I, I pot things and then I, I you know, they get to a certain age and I had a quince and a Buddha's hand citron and a number of things and I I donated them to the Vic, Victoria University Garden. Oh, that was at hey. the end of my street. And they're now turning that into a car park. So it's been locked up and decrepit for oh. six months. And I can see there's still fruit on my quince. Oh. <laughs> so I think I'm actually going to back the ute up just oh. quietly. Oh. Well, now I've said it on radio. Yeah. And <laughs> drop a ladder over the fence and go and get the fruit because I'm sort of, I mean, they should be, it's, it's a bit, I'm, I'm a bit heartbroken because they should have been moving all those mm. trees yeah, yes, through winter. They they you know, there's, yeah. there's cherries, there's all sorts of things in there and, Gosh. you know, and, and I, I I still haven't found the person that's now responsible for the area. So um, mm. it was a great little garden, but it never it was it was run for for uh, certificate ones for students with intellectual disabilities. Mm. And okay, completely oh. built from the ground up by a, oh, a, a wonderful yeah. um, gardener who lived now, locally.
6: That's
1: but sad, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's look you understand they need places for the students to park their cars, but um, you know, build yeah. a multi-storey car park, or ride your bike, or get There's on the train or ride <laughs> because the right train right. station's <laughs> right there. Tram. Yes.
6: <laughs> well, shift to Covington. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you anyway. better get in and right. nick those trees. <laughs> I'll let you
1: go. Hey, okay. Thank you
6: very much for all your advice. I do appreciate all of that. Hey Gay. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
2: All right. Next up, we're going to uh, Terry, who's in Chelsea. Good morning, Terry.
0: Good morning. Um, hi to all the panel. It's interesting G'day. listening to you all. Um, I have a question about pyrethrum. We have it around in our... Um, vegetable garden and, you know, through the garden quite a bit as it seeds. Um, would that
3: keep bees away? Okay. Uh, my first question is, or my first comment is, I'm not sure that it's pyrethrum because oh, okay. if it's self-sowing, true pyrethrum doesn't self-sow.
0: Doesn't it? Oh, no. okay. So
3: okay. I think you might have fever few. Oh,
0: okay. Which is
3: sometimes thought of as as a form of pyrethrum and can have similar um, Responses quite strongly scented sort of bright green leaves and white flowers white, white daisy, daisy flowers yeah. but they're quite small daisy they're very flowers small. Mm. okay so you've you've got um feverfew fever not pyrethrum pyrethrum has blue gray leaves and has bigger daisy flowers oh okay and it's a totally different plant and
1: actually doesn't work to keep things away in the garden it's only the dried flowers that work oh okay and that, and they're working as a chemical compound yeah. as opposed to a deterrent so the daisies would actually Attract, attract lots of beneficials. So. Well,
3: yes and no. Feverfew, I have heard, and I haven't actually tested this, but that feverfew will keep bees away. It will. Um, oh, but okay. I don't, I haven't, I do have feverfew growing in some spots in my garden. Um, yes. But I, I guess to some extent that if you've got a strongly repellent plant, then that if it's going to repel other insects, then it, to some extent it may also repel the bees, yeah, because um, we
0: don't get many bees in our garden. But gardens.
3: the you know, things like herbs that are strongly repellent, they also have the flowers that are strongly attracting, mm. Mm. so yeah. that you have the, the two things happening together. Mm. Whereas, I'm not sure that those daisy type flowers are, are all that attractive to insects. Can some of them are, mm. some of Should them I are I good. Oh, that's really interesting. From
0: around the vegetable um, garden? Look,
3: I it, it would be. <sighs> They're a problem bit of a problem weed in most I gardens know, they, they are will self sow all it? over the place, so yeah. I'm, my tendency at the moment is just to pull them out because i find them more of a nuisance than anything else yeah they can. Um, but look they're they're a good medicinal plant, they help yeah. with migraines um, yeah. you know and they have various other uses, so maybe move one to a different part of the garden where well, you're not we've growing had quite your veggies. A few of
2: them popping
1: up as you yeah. know they do yeah. spread. Oh well then I'd remove them I'd, from the I'd veggie garden. I'd remove those from the yeah.
3: veggie garden and, okay. and just leave one or two growing somewhere else.
1: Replace uh, them with some alyssum. Yes, put yeah. lots
3: of alyssum around yeah, and uh, some
1: rosemary around the garden. Yeah. I and rosemary. some of the low
3: growing times, mm. the bushy yes. times and you'll yeah. get lots of beneficial insects coming in.
1: All right. So I'll pull them all out then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's the loveliest solution, isn't it, that really for all of these problems the solution is to plant more plants. That yes. is, I love, <laughs> I love it. That. I just thought I'll
0: check because you know we haven't been getting many bees, and we're yeah. we're about well, we do we get them on the rosemary, but that's mm. up in, near nearer to the front of yeah. Look, the it, it's
3: it's anecdotal, but I I haven't seen any sort of strong evidence either way. So, Need it's, a few, if you can a yeah, few to have a see what happens, it's through interesting the day. to hear your story. So, mm. yeah, to oh, so add to that anecdotal evidence,
0: yes, and also too. Um, is it okay now to put down sugarcane mulch around the
3: vegetable garden? In the vegetable garden? I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, as long as, I mean, if you, the problem with any time with mulching is that. I would be doing it. I'm doing it now because I don't think we're going to get a lot more heavy rain. No. Um, But you may need to, if we got really heavy rain around some plants, you might need to pull it back because Mm. it can create too much moisture in the soil. I mean,
0: there's not that many weeds coming up in the veggie garden. So would I just leave it without for the
1: time being?
3: You want to get the mulch on while your soil is still moist. Okay. Yeah, I
1: mean, equally so if it's bone dry. Yeah. Don't. Don't mulch on it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, all right then. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your
7: program. Righto. Pleasure, Terry.
2: Bye. Bye. Next up, we have uh, Wendy out in Vermont South. Good morning, Wendy.
7: Oh, good morning, everyone, and uh, loving your program as usual. Um, and I just would like to ask a question about um, hippie astrums, or otherwise known as amaryllis, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you probably are well familiar with the dreadful red blotch that they are prone to. It's a virus, I'm is it? I'm just wanting to, yeah. Last year, I think, I mean, I, they get through the season, flowering season very well because I do treat them in advance. Is it normal then that even if you treat them, that every season one should will have to retreat them?
1: When you say treat them, what, what are you doing? Well, last, last year I took them before,
7: like this time of the year, I dug them all out of their pots, uh, got all the soil off them, and I think I soaked them in... Um, copper oxychloride.
3: Okay, so you're treating it as if it's a fungal, fungal disease. Yeah. I, I don't know hippiastrums well enough. Do you, do you know if it is a fungal disease or if it's a virus? Uh, it's a,
7: as I understand it, it's fungal. Um, okay. All right. I think they call it red blotch. Is it the same as um, so uh, traviata is, rust or is that a different... Is it
3: a, well, I was going to say, is it a rust disease, so that it has oh, little see. little pustules on no, the leaves? No, no, no. Nothing no, nothing like that?
7: I don't think so. Because no, if
3: it's a virus... There's no point in doing what you're doing because the virus is endemic; it'll be right through the plant, and the only thing that kills the virus is if the plant dies. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh, well. But if it's a fungal disease, then what you're doing will help. Except Mm. I wouldn't use um, copper oxychloride; I'd be using copper hydroxide, which is an an organic. What what does
7: that come in? Can you give me an example of a a brand name or something?
3: and i'm not sure i mm. just you need to read the actual read packet. the actual label uh, yeah, I so know. is that
1: in the manu- manufacture of the, the the actual product that it makes it an organic it's
3: in the form of it yeah the um yates has i'm pretty certain and uh, copper um, hydroxide I'll formulation. Look it up, yeah,
7: and do you think p- powder or liquid form?
3: I've always <sighs> them in- Look, it's it's tricky. There's a few different things. Eco Organic makes a really good um, potassium-based one, okay. which is which is organic as well. And I tend to use that rather than to use um, the either copper or sulphur, which are the other two fungicides. All right. um, because the potassium acts on the actual surface of the, of the bulb or the leaf that you're using it on but it doesn't go into the soil Oh, I see. Um, okay. whereas the copper and the sulphur will go into the soil yep. and they can affect Effectual the oil. soil yep. and particularly the copper can affect the, your worms. And the okay soil.
7: Well, well the other thing I read is not to use the same soil and I guess that makes sense so I've bought two big bags of potting mix but that old soil that's in the pot store should I chuck that out or I'm presuming I can't put it in
3: the compost. No, you should be able to put it in the compost as you just as long as you're not going to plant hippie astrums in them. Yeah, so because okay. those those yeah. fungus fungicide those fungal problems are specific to certain plants. You're not okay. going to you're I, not I, going to end up with rust on your garlic because yeah, you've I, I had I rust on that your might hippie be the case. I just thought I
7: should check. So I can thank heavens because one doesn't like to throw away um,
3: No, no, no the soil. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I'd put it in your compost.
7: That's wonderful. Thanks very much for your help today, and we love your program. Thank Thank okay, you. You.
1: Thank good. Bye, you, bye. I've never really grown hibiscus, hipp- no, but I know there are a couple of in. persistent problems mm. with them. Mm. But they will tend to flower regardless. Yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> it's the old. problem is
3: you don't want to be spreading them to mm. to your other plants. But I guess having done what she's done, she'll find out whether it was a fungal problem or not. Mm. Because mm. with any like what she's done, she'd control it. Yep, mm. yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, we'll go next to Joan down in Frankston. Good morning, Joan. Oh, good morning. Um, Penny, I thought you might be able to give me some advice.
0: I've got this enormous gum tree at the end of my drive and the roots are coming up over the drive and causing, causing sort of little mountains. And I, I was wondering what I, if there was anything I could do
1: i'd 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 move the drive <laughs> yeah, that,
0: yeah that's impossible i mean it, it, i, I wouldn't i mean it wouldn't be any good getting somebody to uh, cut the roots that would destabilize the tree wouldn't it yes
3: well it, look it depends how big the tree is and it depends mm. how big the roots are if these, it, it, it's enormous if these are superficial roots, you might be able to get sort of individual roots chipped out to. To solve the problem short term, yeah, but it, eventually the roots will probably come back. They'll come up back.
0: And, is it yes. a paved driveway or no? It's a, it's a gravel driveway, oh, okay. and I shouldn't have let this tree go. It's enormous, and it shouldn't be there. Mm. Um, I wonder, would it be any good getting some of it to, um, to some of the uh, the um uh, cut back a bit. Get, get the tree. Certainly,
1: that would be. I mean, an arborist would be the person to look at the roots and and look at the the, the tree can, and the perhaps canopy. give you some solutions. I mean, you might find there's a solution in. I, I was joking about moving the driveway, but I, I I wouldn't joke about maybe you need to resurface it or, or change the surface of it in, in some way. There might be a, a, a number of different strategies you can use to sort of overcome that mm. particular issue. But certainly a good arborist would be the person to a, assess mm. the tree. Yeah, so good. Look, thank you very yeah. much. Not a tree lopper, an arborist. Someone yeah, the who's, who's specialised Someone who's qualified. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. Mm. Okay. Good luck, Joan. Thank Bye. you. I, I'm, you know, it's... I always am very grateful to the people who have ridiculously big trees mm. in their gardens mm. and face all the issues around it because I'm grateful the trees exist. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. And you know, I had a conversation like that
3: with my neighbour at the back because they have a huge eucalypt right on our boundary, and although I love the tree, I hate what it does to that part of my garden. Mm. And he said, "I'm thinking about cutting it down," and I said, "Oh." Um, and I really had this sort of internal battle about, oh, think of all the things I could plant there (laughs) with (laughs) this wonderful tree that um, has all the birds come and sit there. It has hollows. It has all sorts of – and I just – in the end I said, look, it drives me mad, but please don't cut it down. Yeah. And he said, okay, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to have those yeah, those questions. But, you know, Sorry. we're losing so many old trees. And, yeah. you know, I know yes. that
1: everyone would probably have seen the stuff happening with the Western Highway uh, mm. and the trees that came mm. down there. And, and my, my good friend Louise uh, Costa in Rushworth at the yep. moment is having exactly the same situation where they, they spotted the vegetation, uh, the botanist w- walking along their boundary along the road out of Rushworth over summer. And then luckily enough they were home when the contractors turned up to pull 173 um, big trees out. Oh. Um, and, and about 10 of them are over, um, they reckon, about 300 years old, you know, because mm. this is um, – so, you know, trees are – you know, she's she's taking this – you know, they've made statements in Parliament. Um, they're, mm. they're really trying to put a moratorium on the works of – Vic Roads, yep. uh, until the government really looks at their assessment process yes. um, and how it's assessed, because it turns out when you ask the questions, they haven't really assessed it, they no, really no. haven't done yep. their maths on it. Yep. On the uh, on the actual statistics of the road and statistics of the trees and the mm-hmm. you know all of the things that are connected to it, but mm. um, you know we've so few big trees left mm. that mm. I I think you should have to write a twenty eight page submission to even start to talk about taking an old tree or a big tree out. But mm. um, yep. and and you know in a strange way trees in the city are. Uh, more protected, and there's more paperwork, and there's more yes, more right. than you need to you're do right. to <clears throat> to take down a tree in the city than there is um, for people to not really think it through and to take down mm. multiple trees um, on on the. Sides Maybe of the we roads. need
3: to do in the country what the Melbourne City Council has done with their trees, which is to give each of them an email address so that so people you can write them a love them. letter. Yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, but if you did the same for all the trees along the highways and identified them, then people would start Absolutely. identifying with the trees and would. Know when we were losing these. Well, this is this is a lovely point that
1: you know Greg Moore, um, who's speaking at the Burnley. You know he he he's Mr. Tree, and he said to me, I I rang him, and and he's so cute. I said, Greg, I want to ask you something. He said, Yes. I said, Do you have a favourite tree? And he said, Well, that's like asking me if I have a favourite child. But don't worry, I've thought about it. Yes, I do. And his his answer was um, the golden elm. On the, he said, I've got two. The golden elm on the corner of Punt Road on the Yarra River there, or it's a, it's a witch elm actually. So mm. it's, um, and he said the reason I love that tree so much is that it has so many custodians. Because the second someone in high viz with a Ute pulls up next to it, people start pulling their cars over and go, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what you're doing." You know, the, 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 you know, they've tried to widen that road a few oh, times, that's and, wonderful. and the, the whole city cares about this tree. And yep. he said, if we all cared about. You know, if every tree had custodians the way that tree does, then we wouldn't have to worry about people pulling them out, you know, having not thought through the consequences. So, mm. yes. And his other favourites are just the the river red gums along mm. all the rivers of Melbourne. But, mm. um, yeah, mm. wonderful.
2: Okay, let's go to uh, Bob out in Yarra Junction. Good morning, Bob. Good morning.
8: Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, I'm no gardener, but I love your show. I love 3CR. It helps to keep me a bit sane. Oh, good. <laughs> and now... I just want to let gardeners know that uh, anyone out this way, Rod Quantock, I don't know whether everyone knows this, but he's been working at Melbourne University on things like climate change, limits to growth, and other grim realities. And he's got this show called The Last Tim Tam, which is about the things people do give a bugger about, which are things like Tim Tams. Yes. And that's that's next Saturday night at Hillsville, And there's um, a book online, which I'll give you that.
1: Yes, yes.
8: Out. All the Ws culturetracks.info and you can ring the Lilydale council where you book it that Shall I arrangers one three hundred three six eight Triple three and it only costs Twenty dollars
1: or fifteen dollars. Great. He is a wonderful speaker. Rod used to actually lead horticultural tours of the zoo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, years know.
1: ago. He's a gardener, and, and I, 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 thrust my card into his hand at a show a few years ago, and still trying to get him on the Gardening Australia program. Yeah. So well, maybe look, you should get in his to get ear him about at that. The
8: Unitarian Church for years of, well, and he wouldn't go there, but recently he went there, and it was most interesting. Yes. I didn't know he was doing into all that stuff.
1: Yeah, he's into lots of things, and he's pretty good fun. He used to lead tours to go and visit people who didn't know. No, used to take tours of people who didn't know where they were going to visit people who didn't know we were coming. <laughs> 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 and in fact,
2: in fact, um, on that note, my youngest daughter for her. Her twenty first birthday, we did a Rod Quantock tour, and it was hilarious. Yeah, it was
1: just hilarious. No, and he really cares about the world, and Um, And he's not afraid to speak out. Yes, absolutely. He, uh, when I saw him at the comedy festival last year, he'd photocopied all the things that he brought in out of the Herald Sun because he refused to buy it. So he went to the library and photocopied (laughs) the headlines he wanted to use. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you.
2: Okay, thanks for that, Bob.
1: It's a pleasure. Bye. Bye yeah that would be good farm
2: <laughs> We'll go next to uh John in Hampton Good morning John
8: ah good morning
9: um I have a a very old fig tree uh, and whose bark has become encrusted with some sort of um growth or um it's the texture of the 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 bark has changed to be very sort of rough and uh, almost porridgey and it's spread over. Uh, it, it's on the lower bit, but on the new growth, it's also going there too. Ooh. But it doesn't. It looks to be part of the actual um, trunk of or the the actual surface of the um, of the uh, fig tree. If you know what I mean. So it's not rotting. It... Well, it's not rotting, but it's a very rough texture, and it's it's only it's in certain areas. But the new growth is above some of the branches there also has it on it, but mm. it, it, it's hard to tell whether it's actually part of the the, um, um, the tree or whether it's something that's on it.
1: I might be inclined, if you can, cut a stem and take it in to yes. a nursery and even take some photographs. Yes, well, um, that's
9: right. Uh, the, well, it's been there for a, f- a few years, but um, mm. and it doesn't seem to have affected the growth of the tree or the... Um,
1: the fruit. They certainly can, you know, they can produce kind of abnormal growths because they'll, yeah. you know, they'll drop roots from high above mm. and, you know, they'll do all sorts of things and they can get quite gnarly. The other yeah, thing that gnarly, I it's gnarly.
9: It's this sort of yeah. really very rough textured gnarl, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it difficult looks, to say. It just looks as if it could be something that's happened to the tree, you know. hmm mm. Some, uh, mm-hmm. But it, uh, it sounds like your advice might
2: be. The, yeah, I think someone needs to look go. at it. Yes, they really need to look at it to but see what's going on. I
1: would be inclined to take some cuttings of yeah. that tree as well. You know, I, I, they're quite easy to propagate that way, and if yeah. you've got some nice, clean, yeah. healthy it wood. It is perhaps, a very old one. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. No,
9: it's probably, I, I wouldn't know how old it was, but I, I can vouch for about. Fifty
3: years. <laughs> okay. <this. laughs> vouch for 50 years if of its life. But, if you take um, just some of the... the I'll, I'll try that. But if you take I some... Thought,
9: s- it, see, there are plenty of other trees in the garden, quite big ones too, but yeah. none of those effect, are affected at all with the similar kind of um, manifestation.
3: Right. Yeah. So Look,
9: it's, it, it, I, that's why I thought it's peculiar to this fig tree or a fig tree. Perhaps it's a fig tree disease or something that.
3: Uh, John, it's, it, I would just suggest that in case it is something that is a problem, what Millie was just saying, if yes. you take a some, couple of cuttings I'll now, at least that, you'll yeah. have another tree mm. yes. to plant <laughs> if something happens to it. So, um, like it. And they grow really easily from cuttings. So if you mm. just take a bit off now and you shove it in the soil or so we'll, in a big pot, mm. um, it will probably grow. Mm.
9: Right. Okay, well we'll, we'll, well, we'll try both those options. Mm. Okay. Thank you very it's, much. No worries.
2: Okay. Bye. Bye. Now we really must get to uh, George who rang in on the outside line and wants to hear all about growing
1: rhubarb. All about it. All about it. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it- he's, he's asking if they die down. So most, most varieties will go dormant, not all. Some mm. I've had some of the red stem um, varieties persist and, um, and uh, keep a few stalks on through winter. But certainly they should be waking up. Right about now, I oh, would yes, say. Oh yes, they are. Mine yeah. are moving now. Yeah, yes. so um, they do go, you know, dormant in the winter. Um, good to have a little scratch around. Often, you know, we're talking about mulching and make sure that you, you, the crowns of your plants are, are mm. proud of the, the soil and not yes. covered by mulch. Those sorts of things. Yes,
3: but it's a good time to feed them as well. As I think any time going. is a good time. Yeah, to I, feed I know. Them, isn't especially, <laughs> especially yes. at the beginning of the season, I'd be putting some concentrated. Well, not too concentrated, but some manure around them. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah.
1: They're heavy feeders, so they love mm. a good feed. Yeah, such yeah. a good, such a good plant. I mean, you know, I mean, again, a plant that can be reasonably productive in a bit of shade mm. too. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. A, you know, I used to use them often as fillers in new gardens when I planted them out because I could buy a bag of crowns. You know, you can get ten crowns for not much, yeah. and then just plant out an area until other parts of the garden establish. But the, you yeah. know, the foliage is great. The, mm. You know, really useful plant. And again, room, don't
2: uh, be put off if you happen to have a variety that's green stemmed yes. they're not all
1: ruby stemmed No, and they're are, just as good to eat they are delicious to eat they can be well, are they more tart I'm not sure that I believe they are no some, I don't
2: believe they are personally because I've got, I've got one of each mm. and no I don't
1: find them more tart and some of the red varieties I found not as vigorous mm. Um, mm. and uh, you know I think certainly the, the, the green, green stems are often more vigorous plants yes. and more mm. productive plants Yes. Yep. yeah. Yep. Mm.
3: Delicious. Okay. Now um, I want custard. Can I just say, Pam, the other thing that I've done recently was order in a whole lot of bags of sheep manure. All right. And um, I, that's my go-to manure in my garden. And I use it for mulch and I use it to provide nutrients, but mainly to put organic matter into the soil. So
1: thaw. when you say you've ordered it in, you get it delivered from?
3: I get it delivered from um, the woolly beast, which is a fantastic um, Guy Reese, who goes up and vacuums it out from under shearing sheds. Yes, and uh, he invented his own machine to do that, and he fills up the bags. and He and it's already
1: aged because it's been it's under there. Yes.
3: Yes. And yes. he also only gets it from sheds where they don't dip in the sheds and yep. those sort of things. Um, and, and so, his... what do you
1: pay for for bags? Is it
3: I pay five dollars fifty a bag? That's but pretty good. But you have to get over a hundred or get up to 100 bags. So I have this deal with all my neighbours that I buy. Yep. So he delivers all these bags to me and yep. then I
1: share them, share out. them out with oh, the neighbours. You could onsell and them. Yeah. So he calls <laughs> like it a tidy
3: profit. He calls it well, no, I'm not doing that. He calls it the gift of the woolly beast, which is just lovely. And I even like the spiel he has on the bags. But he's been... He hasn't been um, quite as active in the last 12 months because of some issues, but he wanted me to let people know that he's back and active and delivering again. Well, it's good to know
1: because I've I've looked, you know, there's a few people online that you can – but someone who knows what they're getting and where they're getting it from. He's great, but
3: he can take a little while to answer. So you can email him or or ring his mobile and you can – Search for him on the, on the internet under the gift of the woolly beast. It is a
1: good meal. There's no doubt about it. You can't fan- muck around, muck up with it. You just, yes. I actually, years ago, and this is probably the one thing I did think about were, were the chemicals, but I found a place that um, you can buy dags, like a cubic bale of dags and wool. Mm. um they were from a, so they're by obviously sorting the wool mm. straight from the um so they were carpet yeah. manufacturers yeah. All right. um and yeah look I, I, I sort of it broke down so quickly mm. uh, both the wool and the yep. and the manure just absolutely broke down and I think I paid about $20 mm. per cubic mm. bale which mm. was mm. a huge amount of organic matter and yep. something you know I'm always looking for different things yes you know making yeah. sure that I have that diversity of organic yeah. matter going into the soil and it was yeah it was wonderful stuff mm. Mm. yeah
2: mm. excellent um very quickly Millie before we have to wind up any any major stories Good stories we should look out for on Gardening Australia coming up.
1: I I printed out the planner as I left because you have to look. Look, there's always lots of stuff going on. We're we're really heavily into planning for spring now, um, and we're going to be doing um, a broadcast as part of the ABC's Mental As uh, programming across the network again this year in Mental Health Week. Ah, Okay, Um, so looking at some really positive ways, we're um, we're going to have actually going to have Costa giving away little pots of mental health, which is plants. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, look, lots of stuff on the go but it, you know it's such a funny time of year we we always say this is almost the hardest time of the year to get people to want us to film in their garden because you know you're two weeks off everything happening yes um, but yes. no lo- lots of good stuff and i don't know if anyone saw i was just having a look um last night uh, a fantastic story that josh filmed with a cactus collector yes um went to air and um we've got a, another great story actually coming up with josh um Uh, which is about a month away, filming with Alex George, who's a very well-known botanist in Western Australia. Mm. And it was one of those stories where um, Crystal, one of our other researchers, rang me and she said, have we ever filmed with this guy? And we sort of both looked at it and went, why haven't we filmed with this guy, you know? (laughs) So a legend of the game. So, yeah, lots of stuff coming up.
2: Wonderful. Okay, we've run out of time for yet another week. A big thank you to the team and also a huge thank you to AB who's been handling all the phone calls this morning. Thanks to Penny for
1: all the cuttings. Yes.
2: (laughs) We'll, of course, uh, be back next week at 7.30. Until then, bye for now.
1: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.